Hello, and thank you for joining us as we call to order the inaugural session of Lexington's Marquee Soccer Podcast. So if you took the time to download this show, you probably already know what it's about, but on the off chance that you somehow stumbled upon it uh, by unknown means, as of October 5th, 2021, the city of Lexington is officially getting a professional soccer team in the third tier of the American Soccer Pyramid, and this show is an attempt to facilitate the growth of a community around this team, both educating the fan base about what the team will be, and hopefully magnifying the voice of Central Kentucky's soccer community to ensure that they have a say in what this club becomes. Because really, that's the best part about soccer, but for now, let's start with what we know. On the overcast Tuesday that was October 5th, 2021, the United Soccer League officially announced Lexington as a formal expansion city into their relatively newly launched USL League One, which paradoxically is located in the third tier of the American soccer pyramid, but We'll get into that in the future, talking about what USL is and what it can be going forward, because that's going to be crucial to this team and hopefully our community as well. USL President Jake Edwards, Mayor Linda Gordon, and the team's founder William J. Shively all met in Fifth Third Pavilion downtown to announce that an expansion team would begin playing in USL League One in the city of Lexington in 2023. Now, there are a few things beyond that that we know. Initially, the team intends to play at a university stadium. All reports indicate that that's probably the Bell, the University of Kentucky Stadium, which is great news because that facility is gorgeous, it's an excellent place to watch soccer, and it's centrally located, so it should hopefully draw in lots of people from around the city, in addition to being close to the University of Kentucky's campus. If you're a minor league soccer fan in Lexington, then this day was a long time coming for several reasons. The first of which is probably, again, if you're a soccer fan, you wanted this really bad, and uh, the second one is a collection of reasons, is that it made perfect sense for a minor league soccer team to exist in Lexington, and it was baffling that it kept not happening. Lexington is home to multiple Fortune 500 and huge international companies. We've got Lexmark here, we've got Valvoline based out of here. Uh, There's huge regional companies, even Fazoli's. We could have an official fast food sponsor of the team. And the fact that Central Kentucky's old horse money makes it home to so many millionaires and just multimillionaire families really made it confusing that one of them didn't jump up and pay to bring a team to this city. Wealthy benefactors, sponsorship opportunities, a college town with a ton of people in that 18 to 34 demographic that's crucial to soccer teams surviving. Again, it really just didn't make sense that it hadn't happened yet, but now that it has, and Lexington has a soccer team for the first time since the 90s after the Bluegrass Bandits, rest in peace, played their final game, we have a team. We don't have a name, we don't have colors, we don't have a crest, but all that stuff's coming. We know that in 2023, we're going to be able to watch soccer in our city, and that's a win. More specifically, we'll probably start playing in spring of 2023, because that's when USL season is. They play from spring until fall, mainly going over the summer, so that they don't have to compete with other major sports leagues like the NFL, etc., It's the same thing that MLS does, even though it takes American soccer out of the traditional global soccer calendar, which usually actually happens in that same window that the NFL plays. There's talk in USL that they might try to switch that schedule to make it easier to bring players in from abroad, but as of right now, nothing has changed, so we'll look for somewhere around March in 2023 for this team to get started. Hopefully, however, 
The team have already got a head start on some aspects of how they're going to build this out and what they're going to do because the team was actually part of the USL's initial canvassing of candidate cities when they were looking to launch USL League One a couple years ago. Uh, some cities like Greenville and Chattanooga ended up getting their teams instead of teams like Lexington and I believe they went to Asheville as well. But that's just a little context for you of where we might be traveling to and the idea of what other cities might be joining, what what kind of league this is, and uh, how road trips will look, which I don't know about you, but I don't mind uh, going down to Chattanooga or if Asheville uh, comes up on the agenda in future games. It should be a lot of fun to travel in this region, in this area, in addition to some of the further flung teams that are going to exist in this league with us. However, it is a lot of work and we do want the team to take their time. Just look to the north of us at how miserable FC Cincinnati have been and continue to be in MLS with their short runway. And it really is a safe bet that we have this extra time before 2023 as much as I know I and I'm sure the rest of you would like to watch soccer immediately in this town. It'll come, but uh, we'll make sure that it gets done the right way, and that's probably better for everybody and the success of the team in the long run. Even though the pandemic already probably delayed this team when maybe we would have been in inaugural or right after the inaugural season of that USL League One. But nevertheless, 2023, I'm ready for it. Hopefully you all are as well. So now we know a little bit about what's happening. Lexington's getting a team in the third tier of the pyramid, USL League One. We know when it's happening, probably look for the games to start in March of 2023. We know where it's going to happen. We're going to be probably playing at the University of Kentucky's field if everything goes as planned. Uh, maybe that means Transylvania's field, which is also not that bad. Well, the facility isn't as robust as you might expect, just it's a smaller school with a smaller sports budget. Transys Field is actually, like, located between Blue Stallion and West Sixth and Smithtown and all that good stuff, so it's actually a really cool area to hang around before and after a game as well, so even if that ended up being the situation, I still consider that a win and we'd still have a great experience. More importantly, there are long-term plans. So Shively actually owns a plot of land out on the north side of town off I-75, and the idea is that a training complex will be built out there, which is great news because when we talked about having that longer runway and having time to get things together, it shows some of Shively's ambition here. He, If he wants to put together a training facility like that, maybe there's going to be an academy, whether he's going to partner with local clubs Bluegrass SC or Lexington FC, these sort of local academy-esque systems that exist in our town and really do produce a lot of good talent. Players from those areas have gone to join the Lou City and FC Cincinnati academies. But this would be great if we could develop that talent here help grow the sport of soccer here, give young kids in Lexington and Central Kentucky, Versailles, Paris, Nicholasville, all these towns around us, an opportunity to see, hey, look at this, I can play professional soccer right here, and then obviously hopefully jump them on to the next level as well, move up to the championship, move to MLS, maybe move abroad someday. That'd be a huge story for our community. That'd be fantastic to watch. And so if Shively's really thinking about putting the money up to build this facility out there, that's wonderful. And it actually makes sense with Shively's background because his connection, as far as I can see it locally to the sport of soccer, is that he's the founder of Tower Hill Sports, which has grown in Lexington to multiple facilities. They do a lot of rec leagues, I know adult leagues and youth leagues, indoor soccer, things like that. But 
it shows that he has a little familiarity with the game and actually has some interest in soccer. So he's not, it would appear, just a Daddy Warbucks type just getting this done as another vanity project in addition to the Dixiana horse farm. It seems like he actually has some interest in soccer and cares about this, which is nothing but great news. Especially if it means he's going to put effort into developing youth soccer in this area even further. But beyond that land he owns out by the interstate, there is another aspect of this ownership group's ambition which shows why it was so important that Mayor Gorton was at that ceremony at the pavilion with Jake Edwards and Shively. On September 17th of this year, less than a month before the announcement that this team would begin playing in 2023, the city of Lexington actually put out a request for proposals to develop the High Street lot outside of Rupp Arena as part of this plan where they are redeveloping this downtown area around Rupp. The Rupp Arena Arts Entertainment District is, I believe, what they're calling the larger concept in general. But this goes along with how they just redid the convention center, now the Central Bank Center there. And this ownership group have announced that they intend to submit a proposal in response to that call where they intend to build a five to 10,000 seat soccer-specific stadium. That's huge. That's enormous. Not only would that be a significant investment from these individuals to build a stadium like that, I would I would look for it to be more on the 5,000 side than the 10,000 side unless this team sells out every single game at the Bell in their first season. Um, but just starting small, maybe doing what other stadiums have done where you build a 5,000-seat stadium where the rafters and the beam work uh, are able to support the construction of a second tier at a later date to add another 5,000 seats and get to that 10. But just for now, for context, the bell seats around 2,500 to 3,000 people. And so it'd be more interesting to see, hey, can we fill that stadium up every single match? And then let's see what happens here. But all that stuff aside, that's nuance, and we don't really need to worry about a lot of that because the idea of having a soccer-specific stadium is spectacular. Louisville had to start by playing at the Bats Field, and they made that their own, and they made it work, and minor league soccer across the U.S. has sort of piggybacked on the infrastructure of minor league baseball because, really, we have a glut of minor league baseball fields everywhere. And before the pandemic, when Lexington was initially looking at becoming this team, there were discussions that maybe they would play at the Legends Field, which, again... Having a soccer team is better than not having a soccer team, but watching soccer on a baseball field is not the ideal viewing experience. And even building your own stadium, this is insane. The, the idea that they would move away from that less than viable option long-term of playing in a baseball stadium and build their own, this is big news and would mean a lot for that area. It could help out the new Krikorian, that movie theater and bowling and sports bar complex that they just built right across from Rupp. Uh, maybe tie in things like that. It could help out downtown in general, hopefully breathe some life back into our downtown that I, for one, was hoping something like the summit would never have gotten built and then maybe all those businesses could have moved into downtown. But hey, maybe the stadium and having year-round crowds there, not just people for basketball games, but now we're going to have this stadium and we'll have Rep Arena and we'll have the convention center and we have that new entertainment area. And then again, maybe it brings opportunities to grow our community even more. Maybe there's more local restaurants that can thrive because of that. Maybe more local businesses can open up downtown and the increased foot traffic keeps them open. That's what I want to see is long-term these huge improvements for our city because of this soccer team. And it doesn't hurt that watching in a brand new beautiful soccer stadium that really is your own, your city's, nothing wrong with that either. 
So with that kind of ambition, I really hope that the fact that Mayor Gorton was there at that initial press conference was a good sign for winning that bid and getting this stadium built, because that would be huge for the longevity of this team and their success and ambition, because it seems off the bat that Shively's really showing some major ambition in a good way. Which, also, if you tie that into the reported $5 million expansion fee that it takes to get into USL League One, the man is definitely uh, stepping up to the plate and doing some things that are really hard to get done to bring us this team, which I for one am thankful for. But while we've talked about his ambition and his willingness to do what needs to be done to get this soccer team here, to survive in today's developing, burgeoning soccer environment in the U.S., you really need to have the right infrastructure in place and the right minds who understand not just the game in general, but the game in the United States. So I guess that's where we move on to Vince Gabbert. Vince Gabbert has been named president of the team. He works extensively with Keeneland, so he does have some sporting background of a sort, although it's not the direct soccer uh, relation, but he definitely has an interest. His name was out there again in previous iterations of the idea of this team coming here. Uh, there was talk of him trying to get a stadium built at Red Mile, which also would have checked some of those boxes of sort of proximity to the University of Kentucky's campus. There's a lot of student housing and young people in that area, so. It seems like he has a mind for what it's going to take to make this team succeed in this city and seems to have some connections. He has uh, definitely an established business community that he can go back to and people who he knows. So that's going to be really important, first off, in getting this stadium built and in embedding this team in the city and making sure that it's financially viable, that it doesn't fold up in a couple of years. Because in minor league soccer, that's always a fear. There are constantly teams. Reno lost their team in the USL Championship last year after being one of the best teams in that league. Uh, Lansing Ignite in USL League One, the division that Lexington are going to play in, were one of the highest attended clubs in that league for their first season and then folded. So even with all this fan support and selling all this ticket, all this ticket revenue, they still went under. So it's going to be really crucial that we get the right kind of sponsorships and that we are properly embedded in the financial network of this city. So hopefully that's what Gabbert can bring to us. Beyond that, however, I'll really hope to see that Gabbert, for things that he doesn't know or for things that matter for the team in general, that either he's seeking experts or seeking fan input, right? Like... I don't really want to see a top-down process when we get to things like a crest and colors and a name, like little things like that. When you really get those right, you can really solidify this community around it, which is what the fun part about soccer is. Like, I know that this happens in lots of other sports, but the reason I personally love minor league soccer so much is because of how important the communities are to those clubs. Again, using Louisville as an example because they're nearby. Their ownership group tried to make a top-down decision without fan consultation and change the colors and crest of their team. Fans basically revolted, and then they stepped back and made a new crest that had fan input instead of this one that was sort of a top-down thing. That's important. They had to do that because at the end of the day in minor league sports, if you don't sell seats, if fans don't come to your game and then don't buy a hat or a jersey or a scarf, whatever, you don't make it. The margins are way too slim. You don't survive. Things are different at the big top tier national level. For MLS, they're getting to be a little different, although MLS teams very much still need to sell season tickets to get by and things like that. 
But at this level, certainly at USL League One, it's going to be important to always have fan buy-in and to do things that feel real to the fan base, that feel like they are enhancing this community and that they have grown out of this community, not that they've been injected in from above and then expect the community to coalesce around them. Sometimes that kind of stuff works. It bums me out that it does work sometimes, but it's so much more invigorating and enlivening when it can happen at a grassroots level. So... I'm hoping that he'll make a lot of moves to do that. He seems like the organization is starting that way. They've had several sort of sounding board meetings through Zoom. Sadly, I have not been able to attend any because, although a good sign, they each one was only open to 20 people and they seem to fill up almost immediately. Like, I got the most recent email and tried to sign up like an hour later and it was already full. So... The, the fan motivation is there. People want to be part of this. And the theme of those meetings was to talk about things like that. What is soccer to you? What does it mean in this community? And how, in my opinion, I'm extrapolating here. This isn't what they said. But they are trying to hear from these fans and make sure that they have something that feels organic. That's crucial. That's important. And so if Gabbard's going to continue doing that and use the connections that he already has to sort of the business side of our central Kentucky community, uh, that's great. Next step is he's just going to need to find experts who actually understand the sport of soccer globally, but really importantly, nationally, because it's very different how it functions in the United States, and then specifically locally. Because again, we really want to see a lot of this soccer talent that exists right in our own town develop and sort of come of age in our own city. We want to be able to take ownership of that. That's what's going to be really fantastic if this team can do that for us. So that job will be up to Sam Stockley, our new sporting director. In soccer, a sporting director more or less is what other sports would call a GM, a general manager. This is the person who's going to hire the coach. Uh, they're going to vet the players and things like that, bring them in. So right off the bat, it's going to be important for Sam to build out a staff around him, build out a scouting department that's going to go out and vet and recruit players uh, build a staff that's going to be in charge of setting up contracts, right? Making sure that this team is financially viable from that aspect as well. Uh, it's all well and good to go out and buy exciting players, but if you spend so much on salary that the team goes belly up the next season, which is something that can happen in USL, it's a fear, that's no good. So we're going to need to make sure that he has a financial staff around him that can function there, that can function within the budget that Gabbert is going to set for him and that this team determines is appropriate to help them survive, thrive, and grow here. As far as who Sam is, well, he is a native of England. He came up through the Youth Academy at Southampton, which is an interesting point of fact, especially if we're going to try to develop uh, youth soccer programs here and kind of build these pipelines because Southampton is relatively known for that, maybe less so when he was there, uh, but now certainly that's one of the premier development clubs in Europe, in the world. He was a bit of a journeyman as a player. He played right back, uh, but that journeyman status is actually kind of important in a someone who's going to become a sporting director because it means that they've had experience with all sorts of different clubs and countries and different ways of doing things. That's just going to help him develop that toolbox of, hey, how is this done? And it's also crucial to point out that some of that experience with his journeyman career, where he actually played in England, he played in Turkey, he played in the United States. He played for uh, FC New York and more importantly, the Carolina Railhawks 
who are now North Carolina FC, another team that plays in USL League One. I'm not sure what connections he still has there, but if there has been any kind of coaching or assistance or development kind of telling him what to expect, then that would be really important for us. According to his Wikipedia page, he helped coach at the Academy for Wickham Wanderers, which are a relatively sizable uh, British club. It's going to be comparable to what Lexington want to do, actually, so that's important. Uh, Port Vale, also in England, same story, and I do not speak Turkish, but Ferencvarosi um, in Turkey, so he was involved in academy programs in all those places, which is great because one of the real reasons to have a soccer club like we keep harping on in your own town is to develop youth, to eventually be able to watch that squad be full almost entirely of local products, kids who came up through the system. So it's super cool to see that he's got academy experience there. Um, and again, according to his Wikipedia page, he got his first full-time coaching role as director of Raleigh at Triangle Football Club from 2012 to 2014. So again, that's in North Carolina. It's coming out of his time after he moved to the States and had this connection in North Carolina, which traditionally has been a hotbed for soccer in the U.S. So if he has experience in that area, that's probably a good sign that he has some idea of what soccer culture looks like when done right in these cities in the U.S. He was also an assistant coach for the first team at the Carolina Railhawks, so we know that he has some minor league experience. Railhawks bounced back and forth between NASL and the USL. NASL no longer exists, but was a competitor league to the USL, actually for a long time was the higher league of the two. Um, and this is interesting, he also coached girls football for North Carolina FC once they went through the name change for their youth team. The reason I say that's interesting is I'd be curious if this ownership group eventually intend to bring a second club forward to also fill up that stadium similar to what Louisville did with Racing Louisville now. Uh, are they going to eventually have a women's club? Because that's something important, right? It's, it's all well and good to say we want to watch men's soccer, and this is kind of something that we're excited about, but it'd be even better if we could have that equity and have, you know, the entirety of the community being able to look up and say, hey, I can play for that team. I can play in this stadium someday. That's what's more important. It's more fun to go out to that stadium and see kids around who are like, yeah, eventually I might be able to play here, boys and girls, right? To not give that opportunity to girls is a bit of a bummer. So if his experience with women's soccer means that maybe the team is going to try something like that in the future, that'd be really exciting. He also has experience scouting for the U.S. national team, which will be important as we talk about talent development or player acquisition. This is stuff that could be really important for him. And he does have head coaching experience in the Welsh League. I'm not going to try to pronounce the names of those clubs, but... He has at least seen that side of the ball as well, so maybe that'll help him pick out guys for this team. He's an unproven commodity in a lot of ways, but so is everyone with this organization because Lexington's never had a team. We've never done this before, so it's a little scary in a lot of ways, but you got to focus on the positives, and we'll look at the things that could be major assets for Sam. This idea that he has this global network that maybe he can draw from, that he has some experience in minor league soccer in the States, so maybe he kind of knows how this works. The idea that he has experience working with academies and youth development and scouting. These are all things that really could come to bear as he builds out a staff, as he hires a director of scouting. Maybe he knows the kind of people he wants to work with and knows where to send them for them to succeed. 
the idea that he's got coaching experience and in multiple different countries as well. So maybe he can have this broader search to bring someone in. And maybe he has this idea of how to recruit players and bring them in what attracts a player to a place who's trying to look for these opportunities that are not at the top of the global soccer pyramid where maybe money is the only thing that matters, where if someone's more like a journeyman like him but could really settle down in the city of Lexington and find that stability, that would be great. If we could do something similar to what Louisville are trying to do these days, where as these players that were on their inaugural teams start to age out and retire, they're coming in and becoming academy coaches. They're moving into these uh, institutional roles in the organization so that they have this club identity that's going to last for a long time. That would be great if he could somehow do that for us as well. So with all those things said, there's clearly a ton happening behind the scenes. There's a ton to be excited about, but right now it's going to be a lot of waiting game. We're going to come back with another episode and we'll focus on other topics, talking about maybe USL League One in general and USL as an institution, what some of their ambitions are and what it means that this is the league Lexington's in instead of other things that could have been opportunities. There's NISA, the National Independent Soccer Association, that that could have been a path. There's there's other things that could have happened, and the fact that it happened in League One, what does that mean, and how do Lexington's ambitions mesh with the ambitions of that league? We'll talk about other things when we get to the staff, like who are some other potential coaching candidates who could come in, what kind of ethos do we want to see with the team? We'll talk about ideas from the community. What are some things that might be hallmarks of this community that you'd want to see in a crest or colors and things like that? But for now, I'm just happy that the announcement is here, that this is actually happening, to see the club out there gathering information and hopefully making steps that are going to set a really strong foundation for years to come. So with that, we'll adjourn the first session of Lexington's Marquee Soccer Podcast and... Look forward to joining you again next time. Thanks for listening, everybody.